I've got a lot to say about the world I occupy every day. But when I say what's on my mind, I find I piss people off. You're listening to What the Folk, real talk and raw tunes for revelationary times. I'm Joy Damiani. I'm Sarah Baranowskis. And on this episode, we're joined by Lola Jean Darling, a musician and multimedia artist based in New Orleans who has been doing incredible work in the aftermath of Hurricane Ida. Mutual aid is just a new way of saying community. Mm. Um, and then being a part of, of a community is just being present and being aware. Before we get to that conversation, if you really like what you've been hearing on What the Folk and you really want us to know, a great way to do that is give us a rating or a review on iTunes. A five-star rating, actually, would be fantastic. And, uh, you know, we're going to be asking you for money soon, you know, but until that happens, we're going to keep this podcast going on our own steam and just ask you for love. So thank you so much in advance. And if you've already done it, thank you ever so much. It really does make a big difference for us. And now to get us started, here's a song from Lola Jean Darling called Wave. Sometimes I hear your voice in the wind echoing down. Sometimes I see your name written just behind clouds. It makes me think of the time when I realized you knew my name. took me by surprise, but it never would again. You've held me close from that moment on. It's one of those feelings for which no word could start to describe. Majesty lurking just behind your eyes Reflects the strength and the shine of the heart that beats inside With mischievous rhythms and melodies that call through the night My heart knows the beat You taught it to me also just kind of like perfect timing too because I feel like the work that you're doing is like it it perfectly covers like the trifecta of everything we we talk about on this podcast anyways which is like your creative work and like community mutual aid and also just living a radical life in general um which is you know my goal I don't know about, I feel like Sarah also, is a, it's a shared thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to be a radical while still passing in academia. You <laughs> really struck me as a federalist. That's wild. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> just, 
<laughs> well, I'm gonna bring back the wig party, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, an official welcome back to Lola Jean, darling. <laughs> it's, it's immediately so good to be back. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to what the folk here in the continued apocalypse. Oh yeah. my goodness! I was just—I forgot—I meant to ask you this before Lola came on. Like, how do we do our? icebreaker question for repeat guests since Lola is our first repeat guest I mean how is your apocalypse continuing could possibly <laughs> yeah you know normally we say how's your apocalypse going oh but, okay you know, we already I, we already did that so so Lola you amazing renaissance woman you how <laughs> how is your apocalypse continuing it is uh, uh <laughs> uh, so it's it's like that it's pretty much that mm. um no yeah. it's um it's interesting it's interesting um recently since uh the aftermath of of ida a lot of things have opened up that um a lot of grief that i haven't been dealing with because you know i had a you know nine to five job and I just like I had to like take care of things and I couldn't like you know like last year I was the I was the only person in in that kitchen for three months um so it wasn't like I could take uh any like mental health days off mm-hmm. so I kind of just you know shoved it aside and you know went to work and Ida happened and just dealing going through that um i was alone for the first three days because we didn't have any cell service that's how like it wasn't just the grids that went out they like the storm knocked out a whole node so every part like no electricity whatsoever including cell towers so we didn't have cell phone service uh, for like three days. And yeah, I was just kind of in my house uh, alone, you know, like, um, and I'm in a part of a city where, uh, you know, all of my friends are just too far away. Okay. Um, mm. And so I just kind of, that was rough to go through. And then, you know, um, uh, and then finally, you know, my uh, I got in touch with uh, my friend Anishina, who uh, she's uh, an activist here, uh, and she's a, a black trans woman. Um, and we just we, along with uh, a couple of other people, my friend Rana, who's uh, an indigenous woman, and uh, our friend Amanda, just started. At first, it was just you know me and Anishina just cooking in my kitchen and. Uh, just driving food around the city. Um, And then cell service slowly started getting more stable and we were putting calls out and Rana jumped on for a few days and she and Amanda were doing things. It got to the point where like, I didn't have to cook anymore, which is great because I'm just like so overcooking. Um, But I had all this, the irony is I, right before Ida hit, I was flat broke. I had zero dollars and I was like damn you know like I'm really fucking hungry one night and 
I made this post on our mutual aid group. Um, like, Hey, just looking for like some dinner tonight. I'm going to like hit up uh, a food pantry or something tomorrow. But like tonight, like I just, I need something. And like all these people came through, I got like 30 bucks to go get food that night. And, um, over the next three days, you know, people were like, Hey, I got a box out for box out on the porch for you. Come pick it up. I had a couple people be like, yeah, we're on food stamps and we like have way too much money, you know, on our card. So let us get you, you know, I had fridge stocked, pantry mm-hmm. stocked. And then I had a hit immediately, like right after that. I had so many pizzas and so many good cuts of meat. <laughs> um, but the, and it's a beautiful irony too, because all of that food just went back to the community. You know, that's what I used to um, initially to, to start off with was the food that I had gotten from the mutual aid group. Uh, so it's kind of like a, a beautiful little, you know, wheel there. While, you know, driving around the city and just seeing kind of like the situations different people were in was uh, really heartbreaking sometimes. I delivered to this one place where it was just like, it was literally like, five kids and I mean the oldest person couldn't have been older than 16 they were so young and they were just all kind of surviving in this house so they became like a regular stop for me I would stop for lunch and dinner and make sure they were all right and stuff but um and eventually like someone came and picked them up like um like a a relative but it was hard getting in and out of the city it was almost impossible to get in and out of the city um uh, that first like four or five days it took my cousins like six hours to get from Biloxi to here and that's a two, that's an hour and a half two hour drive to deliver uh supplies to me one 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 day um and then just as long to get out out of the city um but yeah it brought up a lot like kick-started this this grief process that um I've, you know, obviously been needing to go through, um, but it's been really tough um, to deal with because it kind of just like, uh, I just realized one day like that I had been, you know, almost immobile for like three days and like, yeah. and, And that like, oh my God, this is what it is. Like, this is what dealing with, you know, over a hundred deaths from, you know, the small community I'm from and my, you know, all the things that I, I personally have been going through um, and just like gushing forward. So it's, it's been rough, but um, I am dealing with it in mostly healthy ways. I I, I like, I think um, I am, still a shut in, you know, I I still stay mostly in my room unless I'm, you know, uh, doing mutual aid work or, uh, like last night I went to my first show and I don't even know how long. Um, and it was an outside show and I stayed way in the back, but, um, yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's, it's been, it's been rough. Um, but also like, I'm really, uh, loving like my art my output of art and stuff and um like I got uh a deal to uh, it's you know nothing major or whatever but like I mean 
it's major in like personally, but like um, I got a, a an offer to do the art for uh, a harm reduction book focused on stimulants. Mm, um, awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure when. Well, I'm not sure about any. I think we're just in like the baby stages of everything. But um, yeah, yeah. So it's some things are really great. And some things are really you know. Uh, but that was long. I'm sorry. I, I don't no, no, no yeah. apologies. <laughs> yeah. like sorry we have this delay and like I feel like we both (laughs) want to say the same thing at the same time so I'll let Sarah talk (laughs) uh no I mean yeah we want we're here because we want to hear you talk so do not feel (laughs) self-conscious about rambling um yeah so much of what you're talking with Ida I was in Lyons Colorado in 2013 during the floods there and like we were cut off and lost every you know the grid went down yeah. for three days and kind of similar and even though that's a smaller mountain town and in a generally more wealthy area still seeing the fallout and how it still screwed the poor people over the most yeah because it took out the trailer parks and then yeah anyway i don't need to go into a whole rant about you know privileged white liberals who vote down affordable housing but post about how much they hate trump all the time but, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, but that's the thing. Um, so yeah, I just feel like I had a lot of empathy for that, and but it's also interesting those experiences. I feel like you see kind of the best and worst of people all at once. No, absolutely. Um, it was definitely the mutual aid groups, and <clears throat> and I just feel so blessed to be a part of that community, and like that the people who really stepped up and uh really pulled everything together are like some of my best friends here and um <clears throat> and it was just really beautiful to to see um people kept talking about like um when I was like you know before the storm people were like why aren't you leaving da, 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 da. and you know I just number one I felt like um like the house that I'm in is a pretty um sturdy house made out of brick we're not in a flood zone so i was like we're you know we're gonna be fine and what happened to people kept uh really like comparing it to katrina but the, the, the storm that the damages during katrina it was the levees being blown it was the mishandling by uh the government local and federal government afterwards that's the real tragedy of katrina in mm-hmm. new orleans um, and so like i stayed and i, I you know be, especially because like i you know wanted to be I wanted to help um and uh I ended up like housing some different people and yeah feeding people but um yeah uh yeah what really the what really was a big difference was people not relying on the local or federal government and to to be there with you know, food or, you know, whatever. And everyone just kind of pulling together and helping each other out. And there's that meme going around that was like the same, it was something about like the same $20 being passed around to everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you need 20 bucks? Here you go. Oh, you need 20? Man, that's like so fucking true. <laughs> like, like I got um, like gallons of gas at different places from different people, from people who would, you know, haul in like 50 gallons of gas and and, and five gallon containers and fill my car up and go do runs. And anytime I found uh, 
a thing, a, a gas station that actually had gas. I, you know, gassed up and like went to see if any, like went to see if anybody needed uh, gas or went to somebody that I knew needed gas. So it was definitely like a real, um, a real uh, cycle of, of contribution. And yeah, it was beautiful to see. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that seems like an exact, you know, I mean, it's, it's like a, a microcosm of the, the world we actually are trying to, to build, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> where we're just taking care of each other because that's what needs to be done. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I think COVID should have showed a lot of us that, you know, our government of either color um, doesn't actually care about taking care of people. No. And, you know, so, and then you know, to have a hurricane on top of it um, in a city like New Orleans, which has already been through, you know, one major hurricane, like barely a decade ago and, or, you know, like 15, not, yeah, 15 years ago, less than 15 years ago. I remember it was during my first Iraq deployment. Fifteen years ago. It was 2005 because I remember I was deployed at the time and, and the Louisiana National Guard was deployed with us. And like they were watch, they were about ready to go home, and has, they were watching their homes be destroyed. And they're like, yeah. "How? Why are why are we here instead of there?" Yeah. Um, you know. So not that I'm necessarily singing the praises of the National Guard, um, but I, you know, all of that to say, like, it's. I feel like when I saw you, you know, posting about what you, you know, that you were staying in place and why you were staying there and what you were doing with your time and energy while you were there, I was just like, this is, I feel like, you know, that's like the best response anyone can have to a disaster. And so thank you for like exemplifying that, whether or not you felt like, I don't know, um, like anyone expected you to or or not but well and that's a that's incredible like no one of course it's not like i don't think it's expected i don't think anyone expected anyone to really do anything because it's it's so major and like we didn't have power uh here for like eight days there were a lot of places around the city that um didn't get power back for a week and a half. And there's par- the lower parishes. There are places there that still don't have power. The Homa people are dealing with so, so much right now. Not only the loss of their homes, um, but also the loss of a lot of their indigenous history. A lot of their ancestral bones are mm-hmm. gone. And this is, mm-hmm. this is history that can't necessarily be um, passed down. You know, that's just, right. just gone. It's just gone. And so, like, at that point, it's just, like, everyone, I think everyone is understanding about, like, oh, you don't have, um, you know, the room to deal with other people right now. But, like, along with that sort of empathy of understanding that someone might not have the space is, like, well, like, I knew that, like, um, number one, like, I didn't really lose anything. My house was fine. Um, and I had a car and also when you don't have a clock, you know, 
It's wild how slow time gets. Like, it just slows to a halt. That, like, week and a half felt like a year. And, I mean, it was such a, a, a shock when, bam, everything's, like, right back to normal, you know? And then, like, and so we're just, like, expected to act as if nothing just happened. You know, and that, that, that was, that's a, that's a, that's a real tough thing to, to deal with. But, um, but, uh, it was also, it's also just like, I, I don't know. I have, I have these resources. I'm not going to use all of these resources. So like, I think a lot of people's natural reaction is just to do something with them. Um, and so I think, I think um, it was really just like, that's just, that's just being a part of a community, period. I don't think, I personally don't feel like anything that, um, that I personally did was um, extraordinary or exemplary. I think that it's just like, I'm a part of a community that um, needed stuff that I had. Uh, and there's there's definitely uh, people who, um, my friend Ron Brody, my friend Lex Lindell, my friend Louisa Sargent, like those are all people who, who really put in 20, 30 times more work than than I than I did, and and yeah, when I those are the people, those are just like some of my best friends and people that like I look up to and like yeah. Um, anytime anyone sings my praises, I always make sure to, to toss their names into, into that conversation because they're, they're truly amazing people. And, um, and yeah, and we're just people like Louisa is a bartender. Ron's a school teacher. Lex, Lex is actually, she's going to school for a disaster response. So, um, but yeah, anyway, I think though that's kind of a great illustration of, you know, mutual aid can be, how do I want to word this? It's like everyone can kind of contribute what they can. And that's, you know, I think a lot of people hear the idea of mutual aid and they don't totally understand it or know like how it works or how maybe they could get involved with something. But like, it is just as simple as people taking care of each other, what resources you have, sharing them. So I think, you know. Totally. And resource, resource could be anything. Mutual right. aid is going to check on like your neighbor. Maybe you've noticed your neighbor's been down in the dumps. Go check on them. Make sure they're okay. You know, like give some spoons. Mutual aid is, mutual aid is just a new way of saying community. Mm. Um, and then being a part of, of a community is just being present and being aware, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, that, that's mutual aid for sure. Oh, that is so well put. And it's something that I feel like is such an important thing to say and to hear these days because we toss around the word community and, you know, I, and I'm sure, you know, and the word tribe I know is like just completely everywhere now being misused and um, (laughs) appropriated. (laughs) Right. It's kind of weird for you as someone as a member of a tribe to be like, 
we we actually have those and they take they take care of each other whereas like this uh, it's almost used to mean the opposite yeah people who hang out together yeah. on the weekends and don't know what each other are doing the rest of the time totally and like and, and like it's usually an exclusionary thing too of like oh no this is my tribe you know it's like a bunch of like cool people quote unquote you know like oh well i don't know just clicky clicky mm-hmm. things like that's not what a tribe is like tribe is community tribe is you know being in each other's lives on a on a consistent and regular basis like um yeah 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 oh sorry go ahead no 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 go ahead i was just gonna say i think like, that's so important right now especially just with you know if you go on if your life is lived through the lens of social media or something, like everybody is so pulled apart into these separate little yeah. and reality tunnels. But then um, something like a natural disaster happens and we're sort of forced to be in community with each other and actually yeah. see and work with people we may consider the other. <laughs> so um, I don't consider, I, I don't consider anybody other. I like, and what what did it, what really sealed this idea for me was this whole um, uh, vaccine debate. Um, I've, I saw in a particular group of friends, I saw just uh, malice and vitriol and on both sides and people just trying to be, feel like they're better than somebody. And at a certain point, I I stayed silent through most of it. and at a certain point, um, I broke my silence and I was just like, you know, you just made a decision. That's all you did. Regardless of what the decision was, you just made one. That doesn't make you smarter. It doesn't make you better than anybody, than anybody. And you like, y'all people like to throw around the word family. This is not what family does. Family shows empathy and understanding for each other. They don't like hold ridiculous bullshit over each other's heads in order to like have a sense of superiority um and like anti-vax shit has been around since vaccines have been around it took 50 years to to get rid of polio for a reason because of anti-vax vax pushback and so this isn't something new you know it's just people just need to be right and that is fucking dumb and I'm over it I'm over it and I have friends who uh took the vaccine I have friends who didn't and you know what like they're they're my family they're my friends period and nothing's gonna change that I'm not gonna fucking sit there especially at this point in the game you you know what's going on you know what the information on either side of the things so like you're not going to tell someone something they another member of the public the general public something they don't already know we've all made our our decisions we've all made up our our minds and everything else is just feeding in to the division you know Mm -hmm. and yeah and i refuse to 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 be a part of it oh my god it's so i'm i want to pass it to you next but i just want to say it's really refreshing to hear someone else say that because i have been feeling like a crazy person watching some of this shit go down like because I feel the same way. It's like I have friends who didn't get the vax. I have friends who got the vax. And I'm like, it is. It's like literally just decision every made. And everyone's acting like there's certainty around the decision, too. It's like no matter yeah, what decision yeah. you made, like there's no guarantees here. So calm the yeah, fuck down. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, so 
yes. Thank you for making me feel valid. <laughs> let's let's learn. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it also, I think, speaks to, uh, you know, the larger issues. Like, why do we have these divisions, these specific divisions? Why are these specific things dividing us? And like, why is it that we need to provide mutual aid for each other? Why, why is it that we absolutely need to do this and prepare for all this disaster relief like is it because capitalism has accelerated climate change maybe and is it because yeah, you know white supremacy has you know created this need for poor people to be at each other's throats so that they don't notice um you know or not just white supremacy but you know um oligarchy the global all oligarchy all of the everything <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, you know, it's like we have these divisions and these fights um, because they're puppet mastered, you know, like we Absolutely. and I'm not saying that in a con conspiracy way. I'm saying it's like we can we can literally trace back who is who is creating the narratives around this. It's not an either or, you know, we're yeah. getting fed a very black and white argument instead of um, nuanced conversation and all our political, um, you know, choices are are being handed to us like like we're rooting for a sports team, like there's no consequences, and um, you know, I feel like there is for me. I've had to come back a lot of times to remembering that like the more powerless, um, the more powerless we can feel under under that reality. Like we also can claim power by you know doing what, things like what you're doing, like being there for each other, and um, and acknowledging that we are we have to be community, and that is like the antithesis of you know being crushed by by corporatocracy. Yeah. Also, so, also I think something that uh, that I've personally been focused on focusing on that um, I just I just want to talk a little bit about is um doing doing the inconvenient shit like go going that extra step doing it when it's not easy when you don't want to and that's something i feel like a lot of people just just they don't take that further like extra step they give when they can they volunteer when they have time don't do like yes do that but volunteer like volunteer when you don't have the time you know fucking spend your phone bill money on helping somebody just do it because like the thing is is like like everything is so cyclical and if you I, one thing i've learned since um since being uh, laid off and becoming a full-time artist is like, get your hustle on. Don't panic. Like, uh, you know, stop panicking because like I'm 40 years old. I've been able to survive this long. And like, I've let myself for too long get panicked to the point of immobility. And yeah, I'm fucked. But I'll let myself feel that for like 30 seconds and then I'll get up and I'll do some art and I'll post it on Instagram and I'll be like, you know, Hey, I need money. Who wants art? Buy my art, buy my music, you know? And like, so like spend that extra little bit. And if you 
can't like if you you know that 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 you don't have and then figure out a way to get it back because it's a hustle life's a hustle like um and that's that's it period being poor is 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 a constant fucking hustle and especially if you don't want to be a part of their fucking bullshit like with crescent care where um even this gender clinic uh here this nonprofit gender clinic i was repeatedly uh repeatedly misgendered uh repeatedly have to deal with uh racist bullshit um and like i'm done i'm done um being treated like that simply to get a paycheck um and you know it might all crash and burn i might like fucking not have a place to live in a in a year or something but that's a year from now me's problem uh until then i'm gonna hustle i'm gonna do the best i can but like also like yeah like do the inconvenient shit you know stop doing it stop doing it just when like you feel you can because like there are people out there they don't have that choice they don't have that choice to only do things um when when they're mentally and financially able to they have to they have to work that grind every single day so i my i try to do what i can to uh make people's lives uh, a little easier um by giving rides delivering food you know like just i i know it what i do isn't a major thing it's not causing any big changes but those small changes are like um you know the more people are the more people making those you know making five people a week's lives easier by giving them rides to work and shit like um that makes a difference the more people doing that makes a bigger difference so <laughs> yeah yeah definitely and yeah it kind of like I've definitely been in that sort of headspace too, where I'm like, you know, really projecting and worrying about the future, especially around finances. And, um, like, I think it's kind of important to also realize like you can, you know, focusing on the present moment, like you said, and doing that hustle, but also like giving back is I think another really good way to like focus that energy that you would be spending worrying, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and like, the thing about it too is like people want to have all these plans but life doesn't give a shit about your plans life doesn't care and you know what like we're humans like one of our main like attributes is adaptability Mm -hmm. like um i think all the time i don't think all the time i think a lot about like what if i end up in jail for this and that and like the thing is is like when you end up in those situations like when i ended up out on the streets um like, it was just like, okay, this is just my life. This is just my life. And this is what I have to deal with right now in this moment. And, um, you know, I, you know, was homeless for six years and I'm, I'm not anymore. And like, I was thinking that like, I was having, I got kicked out of my, uh, the place I was in um, mm. at the last episode. And I, I started freaking out about how often, like about my housing instability and how like the longest you know that yeah it it was just rough and then I started thinking about where my mom was at my age and um so I'm 39 and uh 
at the time I would have been eight years old, we had already moved like 10 times by the time I was eight. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that I've been dealing with housing insecurity my entire life. The longest place I've ever stayed in my entire life is the five years I spent on North Galvez two years ago, like got that I, that I left two years ago. That's the longest place I've ever stayed. And like, once I realized that, once I realized, oh shit, no, 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 no. Like, this is just, I, I got this. I've been through this. And like, I obviously have the resources to like deal with it. Um, that did a, did a lot to like calm my nerves and like, okay, like, all right, this is just another thing that I have to deal with. So like, it's in, you know, that's it, the insecurity that they like to play off of you. They like to tell you, you have to have a plan. You have to have a plan because you're not going to be able to deal with, you know, what, what's going to happen if you don't, but life doesn't give a fuck about your plans. Life is going to tear them up. And like, if you can't, the more you feed into that and like lose your ability to roll with the punches, then the more of a sucker you're going to be for them. The more you're going to feed mm -hmm. into um, their bullshit. But yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, exactly. That it, it really is, um, you know, it's, it's the adaptability piece and the, uh, I, we forget about it. We forget about our own adaptability, you know, and then we see how quickly we adapt to like wearing masks, for example, or yeah. you know, some people don't obviously, but you know, <laughs> that's a whole thing. But the, the, the point being like, we are, um, we are always living in this illusion that we can plan, you know, like, like when you're, when you're saying like, we can't, like, it's true. Like the, the, the great, you know, cosmic whateverness doesn't give a shit about our plans. And, um, you know, I feel like enough people kind of know that we all, you know, John Lennon put it in a very catchy song, you know, <laughs> we like life doesn't care about our plants um, is the, it's like the, the emperor has no clothes of our, of, I feel like the time we're living in right now, um, we're all really trying our best and like to grasp onto this concept of like, if, if we plan things right, then things will go well. Yeah. But it's like, no, actually. Um, for the thing, something I want to, I really want to ask you about is your art, because I feel like I've seen you, like, even in the midst of all of this um, turmoil and upheaval and instability, I've seen you creating some incredible art, and you, you got your album out since the last time you were here on our podcast and I love it so much. Um, but yeah, I just, I would love for you to talk a little bit about the art you've been making and um, how it's been feeding and being fed by your life right now. Um, art is, art has been the glue that's, that's, that's been holding me together. Um, it's been in times where just like, I get too overwhelmed. Um, you know, I've I've sat down, just started a piece of art, and like all I have to worry about is this line, and then this next line, and 
um, that's where a lot of the um, more like incredibly intricate detail art comes from is just like anxiety. Um, A lot of my stippling work comes from from that. Um, And also um, the taking it seriously as a discipline, which I, I need to get, I'm starting to get better about, um, I, I, I had a, a good run during, um, or before Ida, uh, where I would wake up every morning and draw circles for, in lines for like half an hour and like, before I started anything. Um, but, uh, you know, like the, the discipline, uh, of it helps me because I have to like I have to relate everything to everything else in my life so um and so a little bit of like going back to planning and stuff one thing that I found with art is like the base right so this is kind of, and, and, and this is another thing that has helped me realize about like the duality, not, not even duality, but like the multiplicity of emotion and, and existence of things, of, of the lie of contradicting ideas, um, that the, everything exists all at once. Something, there is no, yeah, like, um, okay, sorry. I'm going to get too existential right after that. Oh, but we love this. We love that. Talk about existential this. away. <laughs> but I started noticing that um, that when I would like carefully outline um, my watercolors, especially, versus like just kind of freeform trying to do something, if I got the bones down, if I got the bones of what I was doing, um, it was easier for me to to deal with. Then I could just go ham and like chaos on the piece, right? If I got like this tree looking perfectly um, in pencil, then I could just like go over it and all the like beautiful accidents and mistakes and like, you know, like last second like hand trimmers like just make it look even fucking cooler because the bones are there and then the art just ends up being this beautiful like um mess that makes sense but like is also sloppy but not and like versus like oh just trying to like watercolor a tree from from scratch like it looks cute it's all right but it doesn't look like, damn, that looked good, you know, like, yeah. Um, yeah. And so, like, transferring that to my life of, like, um, you know, having different um, pathways of, uh, of, of income, because it's my art, it's my music, it's my uh, walks, my indigenous walks that I give, you know, all these little pathways of, uh, of get, getting what I need to get done. And none of it, you know, they all, none of it pays much at all, but I make enough to 
pay my rent, mostly pay my, uh, my bills, you know, um, mostly eat every day. Um, and like, so it's like having those bones, having those like avenues of, well, I need money real quick. Let me, uh, you know, pull out a call for, for, for doing a walk, like, and I'll make a post on Facebook and Instagram. Like I'll contact personally people that I know are, that like have asked me about it. Like, Hey, let's do a walk this week. Cause I need money. Um, and, uh, and you know, then that's all donation based, but, um, I know enough people who want to take these walks that like, I, I generally make about a hundred, a hundred bucks, you know, a, a walk, which is great. And so like, so yeah, that's, that, that's, that's the bones. That's, the, that's the being present. That's the being aware. Once you're present and aware, then you can handle like all chaos because, um, yeah, because it's, it's like seeing the matrix, man, you know, but, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. things can exist. <laughs> everything exists at once totally yeah I love that reality the whole like um everything that has ever happened and is ever going to happen is always happening (laughs) yeah I mean it's it's we're we're definitely obviously limited by uh the way we even experience the universe because the universe doesn't experience the universe the way we do. Mm-hmm. You know, we're like the only like planet of, of creatures that ex- that experiences time, like uh, linear, you know, linear time is, it only exists because our brain acts as a, as a limiter to, to what we're, we're able to experience. Yeah, that's definitely something I think about a lot. I might get existential here, too, is just how, you know, there's really no such thing as this true objectivity that people will try to, like, uh, strive to because there's no way to understand the world without understanding it through our own consciousness. Yeah, yeah. And that's where, like, also, like, this whole, like, debate over anything is just like, well, first off, you have to understand the only truth is there is no truth. Mm -hmm. Like... Everything's perception, and our perception is so ridiculously tiny, tiny, tiny that, like, any any of your questions about uh, existence or the nature of man or anything, it's all moot. It's all moot. I think what I think about a lot is that um, Europeans had to have someone say, I think, therefore I am. Like, that was a big breakthrough, and in European philosophy, like fucking Descartes. I, is, anyone, <laughs> is anyone besides philosophy nerds know anything else that Descartes said? Except, I think before I well, no shit, man. Like, no fucking shit. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't make a fucking difference. Like, but she goes to the grindstone and like, bake some bread or something. People are hungry. Shut the fuck up. I think therefore I am. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's my favorite thing anyone has said on this podcast. I was like, way to put Descartes before the horse, Descartes. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. That's awful. I know. Awful. It's really bad. You get, you get your dad award. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I don't even think that's award worthy. So <laughs> we can probably edit that out. <laughs> it's real. It's real. I feel like we have to come back to dad jokes after after we delve into like what is even time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, all right. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know. I mean, we could go down any number of rabbit holes. I don't want to like go down an all night one, but I really would like to, you know, just kind of take a minute to, you know, to be like in the present and in this like this awareness right now of like, you know, you're like New Orleans is still dealing with the aftermath of, yeah. of Ida. And, um, you know, we're all in this like space of upheaval and instability right now. Yeah. And like, we're kind of relying on our very dark senses of humor, our ever darkening senses of humor to get us through. But, um, you know, on top of that, I just, I feel like something that you keep touching on is like a practice of just being there and showing up and doing the work, even when it's not fun or convenient, but like still somehow making it fun and convenient, however you can. And I'm, I guess my, the question I'm getting around to is one that we've been dancing around, which is like, what are some of like your best practices to stay, you know, are you are, you've already kind of, you like really beautifully touched on, but like your best practices to stay centered and, and grounded in this understanding that like everything is changing right now. What is even time? All we can do is take care of each other. Um, yeah, so art, art's a big one. And honestly, the, um, the doing of it, the doing of it, and also just like I, I try to like just learning to notice and fully uh, be enveloped by just beautiful moments. Uh, like the small, beautiful moments, like, um, like during the storm, uh, or after after the storm, um, me and Anishina had picked up our uh, our friend Yoko, uh, who is also another um, Black trans artist, and it was you know the three of us just like driving around the city, like taking care of their stuff and also like, you know, dropping some plates off and just like, uh, just, you know, I had a moment of like, this is pure heaven. Like this right now is pure heaven. Like just three like BIPOC trannies just... <laughs> Like vibing in this car, we had the fucking the radio turned all the way up. We were singing along with like fucking mystical or something, and um, and it was just it was just like this beautiful moment in the midst of this like you know disaster happening. That like, but like that wouldn't have happened. Like, I mean, not that it wouldn't happen otherwise, but it wouldn't happen like that. Like that moment. Um, of just like release of release in like it, it was just really it was just really great it was just really beautiful or like you know something like that or just 
like how fucking beautiful and majestic like the clouds look in in a moment you know something that's sm- something that small is just like just focusing on on that and um being aware of the magic of water that's too light to fall that just floats above our heads and looks beautiful what the fuck is that like what the fuck is that i know the science behind it but like what that that's still magic to me that's still amazing i'm still just like okay weird white fluffy water that's too light to fall that just like floats above our heads sure you know like just like let your let yourself let your mind be like blown and appreciate the small like beautiful things that happen uh that keeps me from uh from really just being too involved with with um my uh my my self-pitying uh like habits which I can very much you know I have in the past been a been been a slave to the well, my life is just horrible and like no my life is hard but it's pretty fucking great like I enjoy um enjoy the person I am uh, I enjoy being me I think being me is pretty rad uh, me and I like most of the same things uh and so yeah it's um so I'm not a bad person to be around personally Mm -hmm. um and and yeah so there are things in my life that that uh that get me down but um even when I'm sad you know like uh I I can't even when I'm depressed it's not like despairing you know it's just this is just a part of life this lie of like you know, happiness and deserve. I deserve, let go of what you think you deserve because no one deserves more than any, anybody else, regardless of what you do, regardless of who you are and the things that you've done, you don't deserve more or less than anybody else. And once you get rid of that mindset of I deserve this, um, I worked hard for this, I, you know, like once you get rid of that, um, life just kind of becomes uh, more manageable. You know, once you realize, you know, it's just like sadness is just an emotion. And like, I want to feel the entire nuanced array of emotions. And and sometimes I feel, you know, 50 different ones at once. And that's okay. I'm like, yeah, Um, I could be sad and like um, appreciative at the same time. Yeah, there's not enough words to describe all the emotional states I think people can have. No. Words but, are colonialist garbage. Before yeah. Europeans colonized everything, no one said a word. No one said anything. <laughs> <laughs> just a silent word. It's just a silent world of like <laughs> emotions. Everyone was really yeah. good at reading each other's facial expressions. <laughs> yeah. Let me stop. Let me shut up. <laughs> oh. It really, oh man, oh sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, but that's sort of hyper-categorization. I mean, this is a whole rabbit hole we don't need to go on, and we probably don't have time now, but like, we talk about that a lot in like, you know, radical librarianship, like looking at like cataloging systems and how this is all drawn from this very Western colonial way of like parceling the world out into these tiny little boxes. 
that maybe doesn't mm-hmm. actually <laughs> reflect, you know, yeah. how everyone experiences reality or, you know, yeah. Anyway, so I feel like maybe our emotion, the personally out of emotions is kind of similar. So. Yeah, it's very similar in the anti-war world. It's like there's certain like emotions that are um, reserved for for certain like organizing spaces and like there's not a lot of capacity for like all of the emotions to be present even in the same moment sometimes like you're talking about which thank you for saying that because again not enough people acknowledge that that is what we often are experiencing um so speaking of emotions um we we usually try to try to wrap up on a on asking what is giving you hope? I feel like we've kind of, that's just what this whole episode has been about, what's giving you hope. <laughs> um, but if you, if there's any other like specific, if that, that word or the idea of, or the action of hope, being hope um, inspires any additional thoughts, I would love to know. I don't have any Where hope. your brain goes. <laughs> no hope. I have no hope. Um, I have no hope. I don't believe in hope. I think um, uh, I think that things are going to get worse and worse and worse um, because the 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 billionaires aren't going to they're not letting go. You know what I mean? That this this is just not going to happen. The uh, the state isn't letting go of its power. That's just that's just not going to happen. Um, so I don't have any hope. Um, but I do have a lot of love and gratitude, uh, for the people around me. Um, and regardless of anything, I think that, um, that's all, that's, that's all we can have. That's all we can have is that love and gratitude. Hope is, hope is what they use to string you along. You know, it's (laughs) the, the movie that. It's the rags to riches movies that you grew up with that make you think you can be a billionaire. You know, you can't, you're never going to be rich. Life's not going to get easier. Life's only going to get harder. Um, But if you have love and gratitude and a willingness to, uh, to truly be a part of, of a community, like you'll be all right, you know, I, I don't know what we're hoping for, you know, so, um, yeah, so that's my, like, as long as I can be I, like, I know I'm going to be I, so, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. real, so. I appreciate it. Yeah. Because it does feel like, even as I was saying that, I was like, I feel like hope is a word that we kind of need to do away with in some ways, at least it's our traditional, um, traditional quote unquote, traditional sense of using it. Um, because it, it is, it's like, I, I think that the reality we're in right now is that shit, we need to be, <laughs> we need to be real talking about this shit that we're in um, so that we don't, you know, dissociate and become just like walking little cognitive dissonance machines. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, thank you for speaking to that. And I feel like I, maybe we can come up with like, um, 
because it, it is the 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 real question behind what's giving you hope is like what's keeping you going. Yeah, what's giving you joy? And you know, I feel like I can't really ask that because I'm like, hi, I'm Joy. What's giving you me? <laughs> um, true, no, but true, that would, it would be a little cliche. But yeah, but what is yeah? What's 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 fueling you? What's what's keeping you you? And I think you've you've been you know. What's making us your that. heart morning? <laughs> <laughs> yes that's what we're gonna be asking all the guests from now on and they can thank you for it Lola darling <laughs> is there anything else you want to uh add any other pearls you want to uh drop drop before oh our... lordy i'm an indigenous <laughs> chance woman i could i could throw aphorisms all day <laughs> drop little brilliances at us <laughs> i know you can you're walking um, brilliant um no um i don't know like what uh yeah i, I yeah i don't know I don't, I don't have anything else to i you know i could plug can i plug some things yeah Please, yeah plug and let, let people know um, where they can follow your work Okay, uh, yeah, um, you can uh, follow, you can um, listen to my album on Spotify, iTunes, all that shit. You can buy it at Bandcamp under Lola Jean Darling, and the album is called Dream Queen. Um, my next album, which I'm not sure when that's going to, when I'm going to even really start on that, but it's going to be called Sad Bitch. It's kind of going to be the opposite of Dream Queen. Um, uh, you okay. can follow my art. Uh, at Lola Jean does art um, and you can cash up or Venmo me at hashtag hashtag the Lola Jean oh no no, no sorry <laughs> at uh, the Lola darling um, on Venmo or cash app and then PayPal is the Lola darling at gmail.com and that's just, you know, I do take reparations um, always. <laughs> so like, yeah. but I do, I do really, really like it when people um, opt to buy my album or buy my art at ridiculously high prices. Um, so I do like that better than, than just, you know, than just uh, donations and stuff. Um, because I like my work being appreciated and yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, and that's... Um, I think that's all. Yeah, I'm, I'm a recluse otherwise. We'll cool. link out to everything in the show notes. So, okay, cool. Yeah. Are there and are there other um, folks doing mutual aid that, um, I mean, obviously, like, I feel like people who have been listening should know that any, any um, of your art or music they support, you know, is also going to go into supporting the community. Um, yeah, absolutely. But if there's other orgs that you or groups or people, individuals who are who are really coming through, who could use some uh, donations or other kinds of, you know, support. Um, can I? Because uh, there's definitely um, there's definitely a few people I'd like to shout out. But can I? Uh, can we put that in the show notes because I don't have mm-hmm. that information directly you can just uh, message us too yeah you can just message totally okay cool 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 yeah great well we'll put them in the show notes um awesome lola we love you yeah i love you guys too it's always 
It was wonderful. It, I needed this tonight, and also being the first uh, repeat guest is is really is really a special thing. Yeah, yeah. It's super fun. So, <laughs> so great so to have you. Fun. Back. Yeah, and this is the kind of thing that you know makes my heart horny. So, <laughs> me too. Good conversations with my heart brilliant is so wet people. right now. Ah, mine too. It's like dripping. <laughs> my heart is so erect <laughs> that's a, that's, 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 that brings a better like connotation to hard heart, yeah. <laughs> hard, heart. <laughs> his heart hardened toward her is never going to mean the same thing <laughs> again <sighs> all right we love you and uh we'll love you guys let, let me know and um yeah when you have that those names for us and yeah um, yeah yeah we'll feature more of your music you'll let us know which uh do you want should i put you on the spot right now and ask you which song you would like us to feature or do you, or songs um, you would like us to feature yeah i have a, a demo for for one of one of my newer songs that i i'm gonna send you called um the years it's really sad because okay. it's going to be on Sad Bitch. But um, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's really cute, really sad song. I actually love sad music, so. <laughs> Especially when it's cute. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much. Take yeah, thank care. you. Yeah, thank you. Have a great night. You too. Mwah. Mwah.
talk. I definitely want to talk. I loved what she said about the vaccine thing. That really resonates for me. I have been so fucking over that conversation. Yeah. Not because I don't think that like people like that I'm necessarily sympathetic to the anti-vaxxers, but like, I also feel like, I don't know, like if people don't understand why people mistrust authority, mm-hmm. even if they don't agree with people's decision in this particular case, like, I don't really have a lot of patience for that. Like, you right. fucking lived through WMDs in Iraq. Right, exactly. Why are you being like, oh, people don't trust the government? Like, yeah. just because it's, even it shouldn't be a partisan thing, but it is. So I don't know. Right. But like, also, right. yeah, some of the rhetoric coming from the pro-vaccine people, the vaccine people is like borderline fascist. And I'm like, yeah. not down with that. I don't care. Even if it's like, in service of a greater good that's yeah i mean it's interesting because like i think about it as like um yeah you're definitely not going to change anyone's mind first of all um it is the thing that frustrates me the most is that it has been made a partisan issue and it's been made a political issue and it's like the the interesting thing to me about the different types of distrust of the government that like have led to people being um, anti-vaccine is like, it's either coming from a, you know, from a left-wing distrust or a right-wing distrust, but it's not ever coming from a distrust of like the premise that this is even being put to the people as, as like a political issue at all. If the government wanted to like force this vaccine on us, it would do it in a much more forceful way. Right. And also it's just like the fact of like life is life is a risk. Like everything in life is a risk. And we we make these risks every day. So I don't know. We're taking a risk either way, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, that's just it is like, I mean, I got the vaccine. I got my Moderna. Um but I didn't, I, yeah, sorry, what'd you say? You got Pfizer? Or? I got Pfizered. You got Pfizered, yeah. I feel like Moderna sounds like it's like a furniture company that sells like Swedish contemporary furniture or something. I don't know. It's like high-end Ikea. Right. It's like Or like a font, like. Yeah. Oh, Moderna is definitely a font. Yeah. It's definitely a font name. I I used it in the nineties that before there were a lot of fonts. Oh, so it was actually a font. Okay. Oh, was, it was, was like, serif. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Moderna is a sans serif font, I believe. Oh, wow. That's okay. I, am so I, I, am I revealing my deep nerdery by, by kind of maybe knowing that I might be wrong also. Oh, I have very strong opinions on fonts. So yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, we've never even explored this, like, this sort of divergence of our personalities before. Oh, yeah. Comic yeah. Sans? <clears throat> Comic it. Sans can go straight to hell. Straight old, to the hell it came out of, actually, I should just say. Our, um, oh, the McSweeney's, I think, did a really funny essay written from the point of view of Comic Sans that was like... <laughs> What's up? I'm fun. Sorry you hate me. Like, like, I'm banging the cheerleader in the backseat of my car. (laughs) Well, well, you guys are boring times in your Roman, but 
Yeah, our old course reserves guy used to make um, all the labels in Comic Sans font. He used to drive me insane because I was like, <laughs> you know, not that I'm like so in love with like the institutional authority, but I am like, we are a university. We are an R1 research institution. We are not a bake sale from an elementary school in 1994. Like, <laughs> exactly. Please change this. So, 1994 was the last time that for a minute Comic Sans was a fun font. Yeah, because they, <laughs> they still have fucking dot matrix printers then. Yeah, awesome. something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, I don't think it's necessarily smart for them to name the their vaccine uh, c- company after a font that nobody uses anymore. Personally, <laughs> if they really wanted to push it on us, it would be like Futuron. Futuron. Future Derna. <laughs> Future Derna. Futurna. Um, but yeah, it's like, I mean, the vaccine thing to kind of get back to that it's such a hard thing to even bring up a position where you're like trying to just discuss the rhetoric because people are so bogged down in the positionality they're in respectively. And it's like, no, I'm not actually arguing for one position or the other here, but I think it's important to look at how we're talking about each other right now. Cause like, I'm sorry, but climate change is more important to me than who fucking got the vaccine or not at this point. And if I have to work with unvaccinated people to defeat climate change, fine. I don't yeah. think climate change might not be the right word, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I just feel like it's just another one of these stupid things that we're fixating on instead of doing the actual work of coming into community. And it's not really accomplishing anything and you're not convincing anyone. And also everyone's acting like they fucking know that they made the right decision. It's like, you don't fucking know. Like, I was talking about, I don't, I would need to verify this, but I was at my niece's birthday party today. My brother is like pretty well informed on these things. And he was like, yeah, you know, a lot of the countries have a really high vaccine rate are actually having trouble fighting off variants. And like, he's way pro-vaccine. So like, that wasn't coming from like an anti-vax perspective. He just was like, it's interesting data that's been coming out. So like, mm-hmm. whatever choice you make, there's no fucking guarantee here. So on your ass, yeah. I know, like, it's interesting because, like, for me, I'm trying to, you know, I'm in this very, in a fairly unique position where I actually do get to dictate who I spend my time around most Mm -hmm. of the time yeah, and how I do, you know, and I I take certain measured risks, you know, I got the vaccine and all the things, but, you know, I think that, you know, the the overarching, um, you know, when we're, when we're talking about like distrust of government and authority, like the thing that should really make us distrust the government more than um, whether what's in a vaccine Mm -hmm. is the fact that it is not coming up with a way to, it's feeding people's divisions on Mm -hmm. the vaccine. That's the thing that the the thing that we sh- I feel like should be paying closer attention to rather than like what did the government allow into this vaccine? It's like, well, what is the government allowing you to think about the vaccine? That's right. the question. Like, like the government can very easily control the narrative, just like it did with WMDs in Iraq. Just like why everyone, you know, thinks that Biden is like such a great step above Trump, and. Uh, it's like the narratives get spun the way they get spun. And if this government wanted 
to, um, you know, really ease people's minds. It could, um, if it really wanted to um, stop the the constant, um, you know, misinformation coming in. Like it could, but it doesn't want to. It thrives on division. Mm-hmm. So I have to remind myself of that all the time, as much as I'm like, I feel like I can't really trust people entirely, um, you know, all the time. Like, I don't know. I can't trust my own decisions all the time either. Yeah. I don't know. I'm doing the best I can. We're all doing the best we can. Yeah. Um, I hope. I think most people are. And even if like they have views that seem abhorrent or strange to us, like they think you know, they're the good guy in the story and they're doing the best they can and they're, you know, abiding by the logic of the information that makes sense to them. And we can place value judgments on, you know, whether that information is good or bad or what kind of world it's leading to. But it's like at least being able to acknowledge that shouldn't really, people shouldn't confuse that with an endorsement for like the belief. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. like we have to dig into the, like maybe, I mean, I think I said this about Q, but like, a lot of Q's instincts were not bad. Like, yeah, the government murders children. I just wish you had cared about 50 fucking years of foreign policy that's murdered children around the world and not this shit on 4chan, but whatever. Okay, you care about this now. Can we maybe like channel that instinct into caring about other ways that our government abuses children, (laughs) you know? Um, Right. Caring about the fact that the reason, like what, what essentially has happened is that like the government has somehow made it people's problem to deal with COVID instead of dealing with it in a way that would be conscientious and humane. The only way that would have made sense would have been to do what like all the other developed nations did at the beginning of COVID, which is pay everyone to stay the fuck home Mm -hmm. and demonstrate some good faith toward the people, you know, and be like, hey, we actually want to take care of you. And then when it was time to get vaccinated, people would have been like, yeah, the government gives a shit about our health and doesn't want this disease to spread, so I'll get this vaccine. Like, they've seen it in action. Um, You know, as opposed to this whole thing where it's like, we're being gaslit by our government that's telling us to, like, take care of ourselves, but it's not giving us health care. It's not giving, you know, like, I have the VA, you know, not that I've been able to get a hold of a human being and get an appointment, you know? So, like, it doesn't give people health care. It doesn't give people child care. It doesn't give people like a safety net. It doesn't provide a rent moratorium that lasts until the end of the pandemic. So of course people are like, the government is trying to kill me with this vaccine. It's like, yeah, it shouldn't be up, up to every individual to um, decipher that gaslighting. Yeah. And like that motivation should at least make sense to you. And if you don't agree, and I definitely want to like make sure we touch on some of the mutual aid stuff, but like you brought up something earlier about like the whole fact that it shouldn't even be a partisan issue. That's one thing that's so crazy to me right now is like, so like, and this again is just talking about rhetoric, not talking about positions or anything. So like liberals spent the last four years not trusting the government because it was Trump. Now they're yelling at people to trust the government. Like that's some kind of position that like means something. So now the, you know, and it's like people just go back and forth, like maybe you could just like be skeptical all the time, but then also try to use your best information to like make good decisions and not make everything into a team sport. (laughs) I don't know why is that so hard? 
But um, right. that's understand why everyone is skeptical all the time. Right. Yeah, and not like all of a sudden be like, actually, now I love the government or now I love the intelligence community. <laughs> anyway, yeah. take us on a whole yeah. why Russiagate pissed me off rant, but... Ugh. I mean, all of these issues are connected to the fact that like we have a political system that requires us to be pitted against each other in order to sustain yeah. itself like as soon as as soon as people actually start focusing on taking care of each other and being like level loving and grateful for each other and you know ha- having each other's safety and you know um care in mind then you know all of these systems of power become obsolete we don't actually need them just like lola was saying like uh-huh. people in new orleans did not expect the government to come in and help them they just prepared to help each other and then did help each other and are continuing to help each other that's you know what what a world free of an oppressive you know government system looks like yeah um that reminds me of um that really great, I think I sent it to you, that Connor Habib solo episode about like, is it time to break up with the state kind of? Yeah. Like that's, mutual aid is such a powerful and granted mutual aid, but it's kind of scalable, right? To like what your needs are, it's adaptable. Again, getting the idea of adaptability that Lola was talking about, like, you know, it's a different way of thinking about things. I think sometimes people will see stuff like mutual aid and be like, yeah, but that doesn't, you know, solve these giant problems. It's like, yeah, but we're probably not, gonna solve those giant problems at least within the system we have now in a giant blanket way so let's be adaptable use the resources in our area and try to solve the problems in whatever we can and a lot of times communities that have been totally fucked over tend to have the best um sort of and when I say infrastructure I don't necessarily mean literal infrastructure but you know like they have the best sense of how to take care of each other because they've had to a lot of us that are maybe from you know more privileged you know, white communities or primarily white community, like maybe we haven't had to think that way so much. So this is like all like very like, oh no, but what are we going to do? And it's like, well, a lot of people have been doing this for a long fucking time. So, Right. Yeah. The more need you have, the more community you build, I think, you know, it's like, you don't usually, um, you know, whenever you're really in need, like the only thing that's going to sustain you is finding community. Like, I feel like it's part of why, like, um, you know, if we choose to be alone, it's different from like, if you find yourself alone and you don't want to be, I feel like that is like, that's one of the singularly like kind of terrifying experiences that we can have as humans, because we need community to survive. Um, And, you know, this, this US system of like rugged individualism it's literally killing us. Like it's killing us systemically because it's trying to make us individuals when we're like biologically not individuals. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's one of the things with capitalism too, like the American individualism and how it supports that narrative. And I mean, if you just look at like the amount of mental health problems that people have and like just all these different issues that are going on, I'm not saying all of them could be solved by like, you know, finding your community, but a lot of them probably could be if we felt yeah. less alone. I mean, and I don't I would think that, that a lot of them could be found 
helped by finding community. Well, not just for by finding community, but by being like allowed to to like nurture the communities that you're already like kind of organically in. And that means sitting at the table with people that probably have some views you don't like on things yeah. you don't agree with. And you're gonna have to fucking figure out how to be an adult about that. Problems are too big right now. I just really don't have patience for a lot of this shit anymore. Like, yeah, like we can argue about what questionable shit someone tweeted and, you know, 10 years ago, we can argue about someone's individual choice on the vaccines, or maybe we could actually like focus on some of the bigger fucking issues right now. I don't know, Mm -hmm. but that's just me. Exactly. I mean, I definitely have to, you know, be mindful of all of the nuance of that, you know, regularly because it's, you know, especially as like a trauma survivor, it's, it's, it's hard to like let people in who have been harmful Mm -hmm. and it's like, it's hard to necessarily um, see where people's differences are dangerous and where they're not you know at times I feel like we are also kind of a collectively traumatized like nation at this moment for so many different reasons um and and so community is hard I'm having a hard time with it personally you know and uh I know I'm not alone in that so um yeah, the work seems to me like to be figuring out like what it actually means to be in community in our personal lives. Like I know I challenge people in my life all the time to be in community with me by like standing for the right thing or doing the right thing in one way or another that makes them uncomfortable and they push back. And so, you know, I have to be as willing to do that as anybody else, as I expect, as I ask others to be. Yeah. And there's also, it is hard work. And there's also that tough question about, um, you know, at what point do we hold space to let people change and how do we decide, you know, what people are capable of changing, of being forgiven of, you know, if it's restorative justice or whatever, and you know, what people are genuinely, you know, harmful. And sometimes I think, those lines aren't always as easy as we might think they are. So, mm-hmm. um, and I, you know, I do think that like, again, all this stuff is so complicated and nuanced, but I do think at some point we're gonna have to like, you know, figure out ways to work with people. It's different if someone's like legitimately like abusive and sociopathic, but like if, you know, like people that we find problematic, we're gonna have to figure out that, that out. <laughs> like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's also, it. work. Yeah, it's work. I also feel like, I'm probably gonna cut this out, but like, I feel like that's such a kind of like privileged, like first world thing too, to be like, oh, I don't have to hang out with you because you're problematic. It's like, yeah. You know, I mean, I, yeah, I've been fucking guilty of that. I mean, I don't know. It's like, I, I grapple with it. Like if yeah. I'm, like if it's, if it's, um, you know, like, the kind of experience where you're like, am I, am I, um, like what kind of problematic are we talking about? Is this systemic problematic or is this like an individual instance of problematicness or, um, 
you know, like I try to be very mindful of how I use the word toxic because there are some people who are fucking toxic and some people who are just kind of dicks. And, you know, I can, I know that like some people probably consider me toxic because I don't hold back. And yeah, I don't know, maybe because I have been toxic in their perspective. Who the fuck knows, right? Like, but yeah, it's a constant conversation and it's a constant, like, for me, like a self questioning process. Yeah. And I think that, again, whether we're, we're using words like toxic or problematic, you know, like whatever words we're using and like, I've started kind of using problematic, like somewhat, I don't know, jokingly, but just kind of like, okay, so this person said something questionable once. I think they can be forgiven for that, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, if you're doing the work, if they've proven themselves. And also like, we've all done questionable shit. So anyway, yeah. but that's, again, that's a whole conversation about judgy internet shit. That's not really relevant to why it was so refreshing to talk to Lola is like Lola's living in the real world, doing real work. And like, she's just got such a great way of like cutting through the bullshit and just getting down to brass tacks and talking about what matters. It's art, it's community, it's taking care of each other and it's, you know, living in the present moment. Yeah. Finding those moments of appreciation. So I really appreciated our conversation with her for that reason is I feel like it gave me a good reminder of what to focus on and all the noise just needs to go away. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly that. It's, um, it's the love and the gratitude. Like she said that, you know, I feel like when it's real, that is like the best stuff of life. Like we have a lot of like fake love and fake gratitude and like superficial bullshit that we like pass off as authentic or like just like yeah like real experiential love and gratitude and um you know I think a lot of our societal goals are sort of poorly masking the fact that like we all we really want is is love and gratitude and community, community, communication, community with each other. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and if we put those values first and, you know, it'd be interesting to see what kind of world we could build around that. So, but you know, it happens one place at a time, I guess. So. Yep. Starting with the, uh, the universe inside our bodies, eh? Yeah. <laughs> eh? <laughs> <laughs> That was the honorary Canadian in me coming out. I was made an honorary Canadian once. I don't know if it's oh, nice. a story for another time. It was when I was in Iraq. Um, oh, nice. So, yeah, uh, on that note. On that happy, note. On that note, eh? On that note, eh? Sending Bye. this out to all the Canadians I love in my life, including my Canadian sister wife. Aw. Um, I also yeah. have my awesome Canadians in my life so shout out to them we'll see you later what the folk fam what the folk fam what the folk is co-produced and co-hosted by Sarah Baranowskis and Joy Damiani you can find us on the internets at whatthefolkpod.com and you can reach out to us by email at whatthefolkpod at gmail.com you can also follow us on the socials at whatthefolkpod Our guest for this episode has been Lola Jean Darling, 
and featured music has been her songs, Waves and the Years. You can find Lola's music at lolajeandarling.bandcamp.com and more information about all of her art and work in our show notes at whatthefolkpod.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, don't let the apocalypse get you down.